Hello and welcome to Follow Your Foot. Thank you so much for returning. I'm very happy to continue this journey. Today I am, well, as always, actually, not just today, I am your host, Kai Bobby. I guess some days I feel like someone else, but it's the person I'm yet becoming. Now, with me today is a dear friend of mine. I'm very happy because at many times I didn't feel like I was allowed to say friend. And at this point, I feel confidently saying that and it means so much to me. Ralph, you have changed my life in so many ways than you are aware of, but I'll just list them if you want during this entire episode. Please. Uh, yeah, let, 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 me, let me welcome you. I don't normally have bells and whistles, but Ralph, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. That, yeah. that was so sweet. That was the nicest introduction I've ever gotten. You know, I'm just in this thing where right now as a human being, I'm just saying the things I feel. Um, I'm not waiting. I'm just telling people right away. I'm definitely making some of my coworkers uncomfortable because I'm like, hey, I just want to say that your energy, like who you are, just brings me so much life. And thank you for being who you are. And they're like, uh, nobody tells me those things. <laughs> Isn't that interesting that anybody who uh, is radiating positivity makes other people uncomfortable? Yes, but it also gives me an opportunity to see who I want to associate with. I understand discomfort with, like, the fact that they may not have a relationship where that's the common case. I know I struggled with compliments for a very long time. Now I try to live my life like that Regina George gif where it's like, I know, right? Um, with that confidence and just accept the compliment. Uh -huh. But sometimes I can see people being clearly bitter and, like, it's clearly about their relationship with acceptance and joy. You know, when we see people living their best lives and leaning into themselves, sometimes it's like we take it as like an insult, as if we're not doing a good enough job. Mm -hmm. And people uh, can sometimes have an issue with contentment mm. uh, because they see somebody because we we all have this goal and this drive to, you know, reach self-actualization, reach our reach some level of I've I've I am fulfilled. I've I'm content. I am fulfilled. I am doing <sighs> what I'm doing and when we see somebody who's doing that it can dredge up a whole bunch of weird emotions for us because we you know compare ourselves to other people and we have imposter syndrome or mm -hmm. we're you know don't have a fulfilling job or a fulfilling relationship or a fulfilling life and then it just you know it it can come off as very bitter of like you know Ugh, I didn't, what are you what are you so happy about yeah. Well, I've said it on my other podcast, and I'll say it here. As my mom has told me, most volcanoes are really just sad mountains. So when I see someone being a sad mountain, I try to go at it from a place of curiosity and not judgment. I try to come at it from a place of empathy. And I don't need to fill my heart with the anger that they're feeling. I can, re I can just let them have that journey with where they're at. <laughs> and anger, anger doesn't just pop out of nowhere. Anger is hiding stuff. Anger sprouts from, you know, sadness, fear confusion, rejection, you know, whatever the case may be. So if somebody's really angry, I always think, you know, wow, they must be struggling with something or they're hurt or they're sad or they're, you know, angry or scared or something. And, and it kind of, it stops me from getting angry because mm. anger begets anger in other people. And I, I think the more we can cut it off before it gets too far, it's like a wildfire. It spreads. Yeah. No, it really does. Uh, and you can really let it boil or you can actually just ready for this go get a glass of water and eat something i yeah i embraced the hall technique i don't know how i made it to 35 before my therapist was like hey so like just check in with yourself you might be hungry you might be angry maybe you're lonely or tired and they were like they're like pretty much every time you're feeling any of those just eat a sandwich and see how you feel afterwards yeah um yeah. A lot of it can be traced back to uh, you're not getting enough sleep, you're not eating enough, you're mm -hmm. not hydrated, you're not getting enough sun. Go, you know, if you if you're angry, take a walk around the block, go get some french fries and a and a coke, you know, make sure you get some sleep and, you know, I guarantee you'll feel a little better. Yeah, no, I'm with that. That's solid advice. I love how we're just getting right into it. Um, but I do want to pull back. See, the, folks, this is what you're going to get for the, the duration of the episode. So now you got a little t uh, sample right off the top. But I do want to take a quick moment. Ralph, can, I, I, I like this. I, every single time I, I've heard other uh, podcasters do it, I love it. Can you please, in your own words, introduce yourself? Oh, man, sure. Uh, you know, you want me to go all the way back 46 years to the beginning or just an overview? I mean, we can start in first grade or I mean, I can I usually start in the second second grade I had not the first time I did second grade. I start with the second time I did it. But you start you where it feels right. Twice. Oh, heck yeah, I did. It's better the second time. Yeah, it's always better the second time around. Yeah. 
Um, no, uh, oh gosh, okay. Well, uh, I'm Ralph Andracchio. I am, um, I live in Philly, uh, Pennsylvania. I am a an improviser. I've been doing improv comedy for 14 years now. Uh, you know, traveled all over the U.S., work, uh, been in festivals, taught workshops, corporate trainings, you know, classes, all the above. Um, and as an offshoot of that, I'm also a trained coach. Um, I have studied positive psychology. So at, at the end of the day, really, I think, in a nutshell, how I can describe myself is a student of conversation. I help mm. people communicate better and have better conversations. You know, that's what I do in some way, shape and form. That's what I do in, in improv. That's what I do with my corporate trainings or the workshops or classes or anything like that. It's really just about teaching people to be better communicators and have better conversations. And that's what I do with my podcast, with my co-hosts. So I, I host a podcast called Hey, Let Me Ask You Something. It's on yeah. all wherever you get all your podcasts. Uh, Kristen, Kristen Wood is my co-host. Uh, she is a licensed therapist here in Pennsylvania. So you're getting two really distinct, interesting points of view. And we cover all so this good. stuff about how people feel about themselves, how they communicate with each other. So it's it's a really rich subject and I'm 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 a geek for it like I love talking about how people communicate and how they feel about themselves and the world and all that stuff so yeah I hope that was good enough explanation of who I am you mean you literally just could have said I don't know I'm here you know like you, there's so many things you could have said but that was beyond uh w like beyond what I could have asked for Be you know don't forget you're also an inspiration to literally the person you're talking to right now so don't throw that on your your list as well um so much of what um inspired me to, to reach out to you to do this is because I really respect and appreciate your fascination with the human experience because to me I feel so much more connected to the world I live in when I realize that Oh, God, I guess I'm getting a little bit philosophical. We're all part of it. We are all one. I am this tree. I am my house. Like, I separate myself so much to the point where I, I, I zoom in that I'm like, this little ball is not perfect when I can realize that, like, neither are all the other little balls. We're just one big, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what are those? What's that treat of little ice cream balls that are all stuck together? Little tiny guys. Oh, uh. The astronaut, astronaut, whatever it is, uh, the astronaut ice cream is the little frozen balls, right? Yeah, that's us. That's all of us, y'all. I don't know. I, I just really genuinely appreciate it because uh, to me, and, and if anybody who's listened to Rotten Treasure and is now coming over to here to listen, that has been some of our most joy over the last, uh, you know, almost two years of recording is just literally talking to people about their relationship with things, not so much you know, their hot takes and heavy opinions and they're like decisive. This is what it is. Uh, we're just kind of I'm, I'm fine with people and their hot takes. I got plenty of my own, but I'm more excited about the wiggle and like the question and like the what has room to be discussed. Uh, yeah. So and also you you said the word perfect and I, I uh, mm. disagree and dislike the word because hit me with it. Perfect is more of a romantic idea or an emotional state and not necessarily an attainable everyday thing. I I like to uh, reframe perfect as, you know, being the best you can be in this moment with the tools you have, the person you are, the place you're at, you know, just, you know, how can I be the best version of myself right now with everything I know and the tools I like? You know, it's it, perfect is unattainable. It's it's more of like, oh, this kitchen table's perfect for our kitchen, or like, oh, this is a perfect moment I'm having with my partner in the in the you know in the woods of a, of a picnic. You know, it's 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 not like it's not something to live by. It's not like, oh, you know, I need to my, my life to be perfect. That doesn't happen. It doesn't exist. It feels like a bar. It feels like a bar we set on a different but like a Wonka Vader bar it's like always and that's not like it's it's all janky and all over the place so how are you ever going to get to it um right. yeah no I like that I I I think that's something I definitely struggled with because I grew up in a world where it was like hi you got to be a big successful strong man the first words that my little baby ears heard were looks like we got ourselves a little strong football player here um <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Yeah, no, don't don't tell me I have to be big and strong and play football. Uh, just let me come into the world and be like, all right, let's fuck with this. Right. <laughs> yeah. Let's see what right? happens here. Yeah. 
just let people be themselves, you know, or, oh, I just thought of it. I heard yeah. it. I heard this. I can't take credit for this, but I heard it either today or yesterday, and I love it. And it's sometimes it's not about being the best version of yourself. Sometimes you can fo- uh, uh, clarif- say it as, um, how can I clarify who I am in this moment? Like, mm. how can I be more clear about who I am? And I love that, too. Like, yeah, how can I be the best version of myself in this moment? How can I clarify who I am in this mm. moment? So I like that just as much. So I wanted to get that out there before I forgot about it. No, please get I um, one of the things that helps me be more present these days. Thank you, Adderall. You're doing great. Yay. ADHD is starting to feel a little less stressful where I, I am able to go. Hey, weren't you just saying never been able to do that until 35? Yeah, it's absolutely wild. But I, I think what's interesting, instead of uh, what I like is we spend so much time justifying who we are instead, right? Oh, yeah. And that's exhausting. I have literally spent so many years justifying that I'm worthy of being here, uh, especially with the many men that I've tried on in order to to fit into the world that I live in. Um, many, uh, you know, chin strap Kai, uh, business Kai, uh, maybe you like should put on some deodorant Kai. I have many, ver- I mean, it's fine. Deodorant's not for everybody, but I have many versions, which was just like justifying why I'm here. And most of it was centered around my status as being a man, being strong um, and, you know, not needing help. Yeah. And I'll tell you right now, I am so much happier just going, hey, I'm here. You're here. Look at us. We did it. We got up today. <laughs> there's this uh, there's this term that I just become aware of. Thank you, TikTok. Um, yeah, it happens. A wealth of information. Uh, <laughs> compulsory heteronormativity or okay. compulsory heterosexuality. Uh, yeah. if, you, if you Google it or Wikipedia it, it's. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? No, no. I'm. I'm saying yes. I'm yes ending. Bring it to me. <laughs> In a nutshell, it's basically, you know, however we're born, whatever body we're born into, it's like, oh, okay, you are male, so now you need to fit it, check all these boxes for being a man. If you're a woman, same thing. Mm-hmm. And there's no, it's very rigid. It's compulsory. There's no opting out of the system. So, you know, if you're a guy, there's this very rigid sliver of the spectrum of existence that you have to fit into in order to be accepted as, you know, man and same thing for being a woman. And it's gotten, it's gotten to this point where each of them is a very heightened state of each one like being a man now you have to be this heightened state of manliness to be accepted same thing with women mm-hmm. and then if you deviate from that spectrum at all that's where you know people get confused and like what are you doing you can't do that you can't you're you're destroying our children you know it's so it's an interesting <laughs> and i'm sure i probably butchered some aspect of it but got it. Got google look up compulsory heterosexuality or heteronormativity i forget which the last part is but it's very interesting and it, it uh checks a lot of mental body in terms of what i'm thinking about you know why we do what we do and like you said what who are we getting uh, approval from while we're do- you know who are we worthy for while we're doing all this you know i think okay so that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier where some people can be upset with okay so when i break the binary and i say hey i'm non-binary which to me is more of a statement on what i'm not than what i am like for me that is an adjective and i'm not t- if anybody who's listening who identifies non-binary that is literally uh, not the case for you that's just my journey you know, I've as I've learned <laughs> through improv, ready when uh, one of uh, we had Joe Gates uh, teach us uh, where we did a one improv scene, and then everybody went around and said, "All right, what's the opposite of that scene?" And then we gave a bunch of different opposites, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is how I feel about my gender. I'm not this scene. <laughs> I'm an endless amount of other scenes. I'm not a man. I am an endless possibility of the opposite, uh, the quote unquote opposite of that." And uh-huh. when people see, as we kind of were talking about earlier, when people see me living my big beautiful life not confining myself to so much judgment and so much like rules. It's I think the anger comes from going, well, how come I can't do that slash how come you're telling me I can't continue to follow the narrative. So when I think when people see people living their best lives, they get upset and they take it as a commentary that they're not enough or they're not that they're doing it wrong. Well, I think comfort's the right word, but it's not it's not just your comfort it's the comfort of the society and the community in which you exist it's more about i'm making everybody else uncomfortable by living my truth and my best life that's can i curse on here oh i'm gonna make i've already decided yes this is gonna be an explicit podcast yes 
Because <laughs> that's bullshit. Like yeah. you, you can't live your life making other people comfortable because like I think you said this earlier, it's exhausting. Yeah. If you live your life for everybody else and, and take everybody else's comfort into account and make it a higher priority than your own comfort, you're you're setting yourself up for failure every every day because you're never going to you're never going to reach that level of like, oh okay, everybody around me is comfortable. All right, now I can be happy. They they don't coexist, you know? And it's it's going back to that compulsory heterosexuality of like we've have this rigid system set up where there's a binary and then that's it. And then that's what we're all comfortable with. And that's what we all enforce with our clothes and our music and our family, everything. And so anybody who dares to step outside of that makes everybody uncomfortable because we as a society just aren't prepared to handle it. We can, we have the capacity to handle it and understand it and accept it and love it. We just choose not to because it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to accept people. Mm. Well, anybody who's listening, I, I highly doubt you're listening to my podcast uh, and, you know, having a hard time with the, these ideas. But, you know, follow what my dad said to me when I came out, which was great, which was I don't need to understand it to respect it. And it was one of those moments that I just I cherish forever. And now, years later, we're at the point where I'm saying, cool, let's start questioning it and talking about it. Because I think it's about time slash it was about time a long time ago. But what a great place to start. Um, just respect it before you quite understand it. It's fine. Uh, that someone is saying, this is my truth. This is my reality. Start there. If it's not hurting you, it's not messing your day up. I don't know. Just let people live. Also, look at where we are in America as a as an American society. I'm using scare mm -hmm. quotes. Um, <laughs> of how we want to control each other's bodies and yeah. take away autonomy, and you know, it it's happening with uh, uh, Roe versus Wade. It's happening with LGBTQ rights. It's happening where interracial marriage is back on the table for some ungodly yeah, reason. So like. My God, it's 2022. Mm -hmm. Loving versus Virginia was settled back at, in the 50s, or you know, it's like, what? Where are we? Where I? It, and it's usually, and I don't care if I get angry emails about this. It's usually cisgendered white men, straight mm -hmm. white men, and not mm -hmm. necessarily straight, yep. who think, you know, I own all this. I own you. You know, I yep. get to say what you can do with your body. I get to say where you can go eat or sleep or who you can marry. Like, who are you? Go, go soak your head, buddy. I mean, you were literally just hiding in your house watching TV and you're going to come outside and tell everybody how to live. Like, go back inside, watch your television, enjoy your stories and go to bed. And that's like, I, I think they're mad because now they can't even watch their stories without some sort of liberal agenda. How dare you take away my the Connors and add this trans character? I just wanted to see my old friends from the 80s again. I don't know. I mean, granted, maybe that's not the perfect example, but yeah, I, I, I that's see a example. You know, yeah. I've heard people saying that like, oh, TV and movies have become so political now. They're all woke. Yeah. They're, first of all, stop using the word woke. Mm -hmm. Good idea. Uh, because it doesn't, it, uh, it doesn't mean what you think it means. Mm -hmm. And uh, secondly, from I've, you know, I was born in the mid seventies and as far back as I can remember, TV and movies have been pretty political. You know, yeah, I remember- there's p political episodes of the Brady Bunch and yeah. uh, Laverne and Shirley and, you know, mm -hmm. all in the family. All in the family was a huge one. That was yeah. they tackled some really big stuff. So don't come at me with, oh, everything's gotten so woke and political. It's mm -hmm. been political since we've started. We started filming people to do stuff. It's just it's becoming a little bit more popular to then be shared on the social medias like you're like. I don't know, I guess it's getting more of an echo, like, than it is just, like, your kids watched it, or what have you. Like, I, I mean, we've been reviewing The Muppets. Jim Henson wasn't pulling punches. He was like, no, they're kids, they can learn stuff, and, like, was giving the truth, because you can do that. And then it's amazing to find out that there's parents who are like, I had no idea that they were saying this stuff so long ago, or even still today, and you're like, yeah, welcome to the party. Watch what your kids watch, I guess. <laughs> um, or don't, please let them continue to watch it and go in the other room and go to bed. <laughs> I, I don't know what we're protecting kids from. Bigotry is learned. Hatred yeah. is learned. Racism yeah. is learned. You know, that's what Sesame Street taught us. That kids are kids can learn anything. They're very accepting and open to new ideas. You know, 
that's why it, you know all this uproar about drag queen story time at at, at libraries is it's such bullshit. Like the mm. kids, the kids are not thinking anything sexual about anything. Right. Yep. They're there to be read a story by this wonderful actor who's like this embodiment of love and like laughter and fun times. The parents are doing that. I, I my kid is safer at a drag queen uh, library reading than they are in church. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I can say that because I'm Catholic and I, yep. I know some shit about the Catholic church and how they shuffle priests around to protect yep. them from stuff. So, yep. you know, I would rather my kid go to a drag queen story time than to Sunday mass. No, I ex born again Christian myself, Ralph, and I, I, I want to say I went from being like, sure, I'll date her because her mom says I have to accept Jesus Christ into my heart in order to keep dating her. Two weeks in, I'm like, we're gonna need five inches between us. We're in church. You need to respect the Lord. Uh, it's amazing how much you can be like, uh, through fear, all of a sudden just have these strong opinions and feelings and rules. And it's, I'm really grateful to have gotten outside of it, folks. Art school totally contaminated me. It's 100% that fault. And even more than that, I guess we were talking about kind of getting uncomfortable. This seems like an appropriate transition as well as. All also so in line with our other podcast, Rotten Treasure. Um, I guess we should start talking about the subject matter we're here for. Oh, um, sure. I'm sorry. I thought we were. No, 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 no. We are. And we, it's so interesting. So it, we are and we aren't because that's what I want this to be, which is uh, it's about doing exactly what we're talking about. So following our foot, right? We're, we're doing it. We just did it. We just followed our ourselves to the conversation that we're here now. And I don't know about you, but I didn't judge myself through that. I'm glad that I... T- kept stepping and that we're here. So I, 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 we may have touched on it on the first episode, but I'm really curious. Ralph, you've been teaching improv for a long time. What does follow your foot mean to you? Oh, that's an oldie but a goodie from the world of improv. You're gonna, if you take a class or if you've taken improv, you know follow your foot. Basically what it means is your gut, your, your subconscious, your whatever you wanna call it, your less than your higher level of thinking uh, is going to tell you now's the right time to do something. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It, it comes from when you're standing on the sidelines of an improv scene and the scene has gotten to the point where it's time to start another scene and you want to edit it and start another scene, mm-hmm. your foot will twitch or your foot will start pulling you out on stage. That's why we say follow your foot because your foot's right. That's mm-hmm. your gut saying time to edit. Time right. to start a new scene, get out there. And sometimes we fight that. But really what it is, is your your gut, your innate, your instinct saying, now's the time to do something. So that's why it's such an important part of improv. And I just like it because it applies to everything else in life as well. I, I know that feeling of literally in doing improv and, and just just freezing uh, or even just lightly putting that foot forward and then not, uh, you know, early on in my improv, I got really fortunate to do something called the interrogation room, folks, if you know, you know, and here I am with all these senior, uh, you know, at that point, like veteran uh, to me improvisers. And I just couldn't go. I just every now and then I kind of nudge myself and all it took in this situation, sometimes, sometimes like the, the first time you follow your foot, it's because someone grabbed you by the arm and said, hey, what if we went in together? And Sam Abrams, I don't know if you listen to this episode. Uh, I'll tag you so you have to. Um, and, I, you know, she grabbed me by my arm and just looked at me in such a like, we got this energy. And she's like, I've like she knew she had seen me a, a couple times. I could see her seeing me from the other side. And when she was on my side, finally, and was like, you're coming in, we're doing something together and I'm going to take care of you. You know, so sometimes following your foot is also following the other person who's walking, who's, who's going to walk with you. Um, mm-hmm. It's hard to take that trust and like get outside of your head. Once again, we're not just the one little ball. We're all stuck together. Allow yourself to go with the other ball. Come on in. Let's, let's, let's see what happens. And you know what? The worst thing that happens is you just, you don't do great. Someone else goes, I'm going to follow your foot and protect you because this scene needs to end. Uh, <laughs> and you move on with your life because I don't know about you, but I don't remember those scenes from a year and a half ago. They're gone. They're completely gone. No, it, it's it's fear. It's uh, you, you'll sometimes hear people say follow the fear too, uh, mm-hmm. in in mm. conjunction with with follow your foot because really your foot is telling you what your instinct or your gut wants to do, but then immediately your pre your frontal cortex kicks in all of our higher judgment and it's like whoa wait a minute. What, what are people going to think about this? Are we making the right decision here? Let's let's stop and, and uh, you know, examine all 150 ways this could happen. 
that's why uh, improv is so great because it it teaches you to ignore your prefrontal cortex as much as possible, right? Just go with your gut, go with your instinct, go with go with what's happening in the moment because usually it's the right answer. You know, yeah. your your body knows, your body knows, your your limbic system, your emotional like that lizard part of your brain knows. Follow that and you're going to find more of the fun things that are happening. And, yeah. you know, it's it's all comes down to like if you can get over the self-judgment and the, you know, perceived judgment of others and just do the thing. That's the big one for me is the perceived judgment, because I'm thinking of a thousand ways the people in the audience are not liking what I'm doing. And when I say that, I mean past Kai. Now I'm perfect. I it's it's completely <laughs> linear. I perfected this. Uh, no, right. I, I still have those moments. But now. Uh, you know, I don't know where I got this from. I probably listened to it on a podcast myself. Approach life with curiosity, not judgment. And now I'm thinking of the million possibilities where I'm like, oh, they must be curious about this. Let me follow this. Or I lightly heard that they were like, ah, something's there. I'm like, ooh, cool. They were curious about it. I'm going to be curious about it and go down that road too because they seem to have a little nugget of curiosity slash joy with that. So let's play with that together because the audience is also on the stage with me. The whole sta the whole audience is the stage um, mm -hmm. for me at this point. I don't know. I, I've kind of gotten to that point when it comes to performing and I, I find it to be more fun than thinking it's just little old me in charge of this whole dynamic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's I, I mean, two things. Number one, the thousand things you're thinking of that the audience can see that are you think are wrong. Yeah, they see point zero 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 one percent of that. Yeah. They don't they don't see 99.9% .9 of what you think they see. So stop that right yeah. away anybody listening. And number 2, there is no going back to like improv. There is no mistakes if you're all supporting each other. Yeah. You know, the only way there can be a mistake or doing something wrong is if somebody negates what you're doing. So I, that's another fun thing improv an important thing improv teaches is teamwork and communication. You know, I'm going to do this thing and everybody else comes out and supports it and, and yes ands it and adds their two cents. And you're all of a sudden you're building something together and it's fun and nobody's out on a limb because you're all out right. on the limb. So there is no more limb anymore. It's the tree, you know. Mm. And it's a tree you built together. It's a tree you grew together. Uh, right. You know, I got two examples here, and I'm probably sure I'm only going to be able to keep one in the episode because ooh, the other one's a little rough. Jim, uh, who everybody remembers Jim, the uh, literally the host from Rotten Treasure, and it was on last week. He did a thing where he said something, and the audience clearly was not having it. They did not like it, and it was, you know, he just goes... Or something else that's not terrible uh, or problematic. I forgot what the word was, but just like acknowledge that he needed to acknowledge it, that it slipped out of his mouth and it got a big laugh because he accepted in that moment and he decided to like honor it with everybody else. Yes, I'm here too. I heard you. And let's just let the show go on. And that's exactly what happened. Now, maybe there's one person in that audience that is like, that performer, I'm associating him with garbage for the rest of my life. When I see him eating Froyo, I'm like, oh, I have to the Jim O'Donnell. Oh, the worst. Um, yeah. You know, but I think that's one way to go about it. And, you know, you're going to get yourself into some muddy waters, but you do have your team who's also going to get you out of it. And sometimes you have the audience who's going to help you get out of it because they're going to go, you know what? Hey, thanks for doing that. All right, cool. You're right. Let Next. Now, the other one, folks, uh, you're, this is where it's probably going to be a commercial break because <laughs> we'll see what happens. Daddy Issues, my old improv team that I love very much, is is great at just supporting each other. Very early on, there was a situation where I was doing a scene where uh, my old roommate, Nathaniel, uh, he was in the scene with me where I was his kid, but I was doing very adult things. Like I was doing his taxes. I was always doing the laundry. I was like, you know, whatever. And I was leaning into that. And then I decided, you know, like, oh, I just had a really hard time with my wife. And like what I intended was that I had a kindergarten wife like I didn't like mean for it to be like I had an adult human dating my child self I think it was Mike sorry big Mike uh calling you out on the episode came in and was my wife and someone was like oh where'd you guys meet and he's like oh we met on tindergarten <laughs> now that is an improviser folks he didn't skip a beat that just came out of his mouth which is a very controversial thing to say and it does not sit right i'm like i'm still like okay that's wrong but also it was it's funny we're laughing it's okay to laugh and, um, and how he was taken care of right away is that we all sat in that like creative discomfort you know like we get how we got there and then immediately our teammate siobhan comes in and goes hi i'm the police um and then 
they then <laughs> someone followed their foot and cut that out and then we kept doing improv and it was just like the way to handle it yes we got here yes this is muddy waters and also woo the ability to combine things and move quickly so you can honor that at the same time of going yeah let's get out of here we got we got let's not do any more in this area yeah it's, a, it's it it's the sign of a good improv team and a good performers with good instincts you know sometimes it happens where you stumble into muddy waters like that. It's mm -hmm. it's inevitable. You do this long enough. Eventually something's going to happen where you're like, oh, I did not mean to open that door. <laughs> but it's it, it's how you all handle it as a team. You know, it's it comes if it comes from an innocent place of like, oops, uh, I didn't realize that was going to happen. You know, there's a way to the handle it that it's like, oh, okay, they realize what they did. Okay, it's yep. it's great, you know. But then you see other teams who kind of relish opening those doors and climbing into the muddy places, mm -hmm. and it's like it feels different, and it comes from a different, less innocent place, and that's yep. that's the difference, I think. I've seen it. Sometimes it feels like they're just like, I'm going to play my game. And I know you paid like $10 to be in here, but I'm going to play my game. <laughs> and that's all that matters. And a matter of fact, sometimes, and you'll even see, uh, I'm sorry, stand-ups, I'm going to give you a little hard time. You'll see stand-ups be like, oh, that one really bothered them. Oh, you think that's bad? Let me use a bunch of material I wasn't going to use tonight because I'm going to have a fun time just making you uncomfortable in a way that's not fun. Um, right. And then they go home and I guess they feel better about themselves. I don't know. <laughs> I I cannot I I have uh I have some um stand up friends and you know I can't speak for their process when they do their thing but it's a different dynamic yeah. in terms of like what they cuz they're more it that's more about the audience and storytelling and the interaction and the reactions and like it's there's still a little bit of improv in there I think sure. when they're like riding the reactions of the audience like riding that wave you know so and the good ones can ride that wave into interesting places but yeah like you said there are some stand-ups who just relish opening those doors that we shouldn't open and yep. you know hey what's in here let's flick the lights on you know yeah even though it literally you know what oh what is it was uncomfortable for everybody let me flick them on and off a bunch of times that'll be fun right. for them yeah <laughs> yeah super uncomfortable right because that's what we want is to make people that we're supposed to be laughing with not uh how do i put it uh, i'm gonna pull into this uh, perspective i've had on stand-up versus improv uh stand-ups try to make you laugh improvisers encourage you to and i'm not saying all stand-ups there are some of my favorite stand-up comedians tignataro is a really great example and probably the top for me in terms of like encouraging you to laugh yes all of that is scripted yeah i mean not all of it she does a fair amount of like clowning around and having fun I mean, obviously, some of it is scripted and built and, you know, the way you've learned how to do it the next time, it does go towards catering towards, oh, okay, that is going to make them do this. This plus this equals this. So, but I, I, I don't know, there still can be authenticity in that. I think the key, the key thing for me is to find that authenticity uh, when you're writing and, be, and learn from it and then put it back into your writing when you do it again. Actually, I'm very curious, Ralph, what is your relationship with scripted uh, performance? I have done it. Um, I it's not my favorite because I'm actually I'm actually bad at memorizing stuff. My brain. Me too. I've been doing improv so long, my brain doesn't work that way anymore. Yeah. I can do it. I've enjoyed doing it. Um, but I'm I'm so like I found my happy place doing improv that I I don't do a lot of scripted stuff. I know I don't think I want to because. You get much more feedback when you do scripted stuff um, than you. I mean, granted, I've gotten a fair amount in improv, and sometimes the note is, "Well, that was interesting," and you're like, "Okay, that's nice of you to say. Thank you for not saying the meaner version of that." <laughs> Usually, when a team I'm working with does something bad or like has a has a not great set, I'll usually say something like, "Well, that happened," and happened, or you know, we all watched it happen, or something yep. like that. It happens, you know. Well, something that I think I learned in like a 201 class, she mentioned that like that thing of we're all going to say something that we're like, um, you know, that we're not happy with that we wish we could grab the moment it left our lips. And and one thing I've appreciated in a lot of my classes now, we're doing a lot more timeouts where someone's like, hey, timeout, I don't want to do this scene. And you don't have to explain why. You just cut it out. You do another scene. Who cares? You know, I know sometimes people get upset like, oh, it's PC. I can't even do a scene. Like, you don't know if someone you're doing a, a pet scene and someone's like, I just lost my pet. That could be that simple. There can be so many reasons why someone's just like, I don't want to do this scene. Now, there are times where you literally say something that hurts somebody's insides and their being and offends them and really just really more than just say offend, just really just hurts. And one of the things that I appreciate Caitlin brought up is like, don't give an empty apology. Like, just like, 
after class, maybe go up to that person, you know, and be like, hey, can I talk to you for a quick second? And if they're, if they're not on board, respect that. But if they are, just go, I just, I realized that what I said really hurt and I appreciate you speaking up, especially if they spoke up. I don't want to give you an empty apology. I'm going to sit with that. And if you're cool with it, I would love to touch base on this in the future. Boom. That's a lot of words, but I think it's better than just going, I'm sorry. Let me distance myself from the problematic thing. Just so you know, I'm on team good guy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Having having those longer, more in depth discussions about it is is always helpful. But it's yeah. it, it, like you said, both people have to be into it, yeah. you know. And also, it's I like that the that there's more people, coaches, teachers, empowering students to say to stop a scene and say, yeah. "Hey, time out, not good." Yeah. But yeah. it's also you know, the coaches and the teachers have to be there as well. You know, I've, I've stopped a lot of scenes in my day because people were doing something that I was like, Hey, there's a better, you know, there's a better choice. There's always a better choice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, sometimes I call people and say, would you actually do that? And we're like, Mm -hmm. would you like, if somebody's playing themselves on stage and they're doing something ridiculous, And I'd be like, would you actually really do that? No, I guess I wouldn't. Okay, well then don't, there's a better choice. You know, there's a more fun choice. You know, there's a more authentic choice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll pull back. I said you impacted my life in more ways than one. Here's one of them. In class, uh, many days ago, you know, many moons, I can't believe it's been years at this point when you were instructing me, um, you pointed out that I was kind of speaking for my character versus letting my character speak. And that impacted Uh me. And I, I really liked that because I was like, cool. That's easy. Let, what is this person generally? What's their vibe? What are, what, are they, what are something else they think about? And I think actually in that class, later on, there was an exercise where <laughs> I was given that my character didn't believe in circles. And I was like, genius. What a weird thing. But also, that can tell me so much more about this character, or I don't even have to worry what to say. I get it. So just pick a thing. That's a, a, the ground basis of it can be of this person. And just trust the words that are going to come out of your mouth are partially this fictional person's. And then I have brought that into my own reality. And I'm like... All right, Kai, you get yourself. You got a foundation. You understand where your heart is. You understand where your core values lie. So when you're trust, when you're having an open dialogue with someone, meeting someone new, uh, whether it's on a date or a first-time friendship, I think what holds us back from creating these new, like, authentic relationships is because we're speaking for a self that we're trying to be, for the like, and trying to like to make good enough, right? The justifiable self versus speaking for the self that you're curious about speaking for the self that like you've learned to to be okay with you know take the even if it's just a small amount that you've learned to be okay with yourself let that person speak let them have a chance to get a little more out there yeah you know oh my god talking about dating is like open up a can of worms i you know uh uh caveat uh i have not had to date for 21 years mm-hmm. so i've i've been in a wonderful relationship for 21 years so god forbid if everything happens and i'd had to go back into the dating world i would just rather throw myself into the ocean i couldn't because there's so much tinder and bumble and hinge mm-hmm. and, and and like uh, and it it's all people it's very curated it's very like instagrammy like you yep. put up the best pictures of yourself and you put up the the best uh, quotes you can find and like the best answers to these questions. And I, I, you know, I, I am much more of a fan of like the, the meeting, the um, serendipitous meeting of, mm-hmm. you know, cause mm-hmm. that's, that's how I met my current partner of like, you, you end up at the same house party together and you just kind of accidentally meet. And then it's like, I don't have time to, to, be curated you know i'm at a party having fun with my friends and it's i think it 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 speaks to what you said of like you're speaking you're trying to be this this version of yourself that doesn't it exists but it's like this weird i don't know it's in a box because literally enough that's what our phones are they're little little box yeah and it's just you know it it, it's much better to just be be yourself, you know, whatever that is. It's just it's it's less work. Yeah, I think it's so much work to date now because it's all you you have to be this person that's like not really you're speaking for like I am I am the mouthpiece for this person that you would like to date, you know. 
I think that's why I'm really grateful. So I, you know, I'm I'm on those. You know, I have my 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 profiles up, and I do have a really great photograph from me from a wedding recently, and that's definitely the new one on the front runner because I'm like, oh, look at that, guys! Is an up to date photograph number one. It did capture me quite well. What I'm grateful for is the people who get me out of the box quicker. One of the people I've I've gone on a couple of dates with, we pretty much real quick were like, hey, do you want to get out of this and just like call me? And it was just like relatively quick, and I was like, yeah, let's just have a phone call. Let's just start there, and then I let the curious version of myself versus the judgmental version of myself just go for it and you know sometimes that's not going to work but at least like you know you were vibing authentically with that person versus being like let me type to you or you know how many times have i literally people like oh what's your podcast i have a google drive saved thing where i answer that question like because i'm sick or tired of answering that question about my (laughs) podcast but also Kai, stop putting it on your dating profiles that you have a podcast. What are you doing? It also says some improviser, which I joke about being the most vulnerable thing I'm willing to admit about myself. (laughs) You know, people make fun of us. They really do. Oh, my God. Every every show I've watched, somebody as a joke is taking an improv class. And I'm like, all right. Let's yeah, dial it back to four. You know, it's 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 a it's a it's a valid art form. <laughs> if you're a Shit's Creek fan, I will give them the one pass though, because like, what's the worst that could happen? And then David Rose is like, well, they they make me do improv or that, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this character really would dislike improv. I get it, but no, I hear you. I do. If you're okay, I do have some questions that I wanted to ask you. Yeah. yeah can I, we, uh... I take one, uh, I have to plug my my computer in. I just need to run and get the cord. So this is a good spot to like good. do it. A- Absolutely. Another commercial. And also I thought you were going to plug your computer and like be like promote it as a, <laughs> it's a really good computer. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this episode brought to you by Apple. Throw on your Jinkas, Baby Tees, and Doc Martens, grab your Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper, and join Jackie and Danielle on a journey to the late 90s as we reminisce about the movies of our youth on the No More Late Fees podcast. Don't forget your flannel and butterfly clips. And remember, be kind and rewind. Hello, I'm Kai Bobby, co-host of the Rotten Treasure podcast, where I talk with my friend Jim O'Donnell and a special guest about movie franchises that arguably went on a little longer than they should have. Hey, Jim, what movies do we review? Home Alone. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Home Alone 3. Home Alone 4, Taking Back the House. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Home Jim, Alone, Jim, 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 Holiday Jim, Jim. Heist. We, we, re- we review more than just Home Alone movies. Tremors. Tremors 2, Aftershocks. <sighs> uh, do we have any guests? Do we have guests, Jim? Scott Campbell. Robert and Donnell from Watching It. Sarah Carter. <sighs> okay, uh, how do people find us on the internet, Jim? Follow us at Rotten underscore Treasure on Instagram, at Rotten Treasure on Twitter, Rotten Treasure okay, on right. Facebook. You know what? That, that's enough of your list. Um, so, folks, if you still want to find us, uh, you can listen to us on your preferred podcast app, uh, such as uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Podbean.com, Google Podcasts, Listen Notes, not SoundCloud. <laughs> Sorry, I thought it had more charge than it did. I just get to decide whether or not this is in the episode. I'm happy to keep, yeah. Hey, this is real life. Sometimes our computers need to be plugged in. There we go. Okay. I didn't want to disappear from you. Oh, thank you. I'm glad you're here. I have literally been there with the 5% in like, oh, wow, I'm in the middle of an episode. I've also had an episode where I was in the middle of a tornado concern. So sometimes life happens. Wow. Um, You were a dedicated podcaster. I honestly, that was fun. It was on our uh, the first Muppet episode with Kelso, and it was like tornado warning: get away from your windows and go to your basement. I was like, "Hey, y'all, gotta go." Jim's like, "We could finish the episode." I grabbed my cats, my beer, some snacks, my computer, and ready for this, everybody, my external hard drive because it has all my podcast episodes on it. Priorities. But so a couple questions for you, uh, and maybe some of this will be really helpful to our listeners uh, for those who are trying to take on new creative uh, endeavors. How do you personally avoid burnout? Ooh, that's a good question. Oh, I got good ones here for I you. Don't worry. I avoid burnout by listening to myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are, like we were talking about before, if you're cranky, if you're angry all the time, if you're in a bad mood, if you feel tired, that's your body and your brain telling you, hey, it's time to do something different. Step mm-hmm. away from your desk get some sleep, make yourself a priority. 
So I think a lot of times when people are burnt out, uh, they're focused on the wrong thing. You know, mm-hmm. they, oh, I have to, you're, they're, they're pushing themselves too much and not giving themselves permission for uh, uh, their, their mental and physical health, which I think is an epidemic in our country, specifically of America, because we're all about the 40 hour work week and, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. overtime you can get it and, 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 you know, get the paycheck and, you know, vacations or whatever. You have a week every year for a vacation. And then the only time you can have fun is when you retire, when you're 69. So it's Mm -hmm. like, I mean, I can talk about this forever, but the way to avoid burnout, at least for me, is listening to yourself. If you're, if you're stressed, if you're angry, if you're tired, that's, that means something's off. Yeah. Get hydrated and make yourself a priority. I am going to take a lot of breaks today. I am going to make sure when the day is over, I'm closing my laptop and that's mm-hmm. it. I'm not checking email. I'm not answering my phone. I'm eating spaghetti and watching a movie. Like Perfect. that's what, however you unwind, do more of that. Because I, I feel like if you if you don't do that and you make work a priority, you're, you're going to feel burnout for ever so so you mentioned um go watch a movie uh so are there particular um like movies or shows that you think have like contributed to your like towards like your improv style or like some of your like general kind of uh philosophies when it comes to uh teaching improv uh and or performing it oh gosh so anything that kind of informed how i got into improv in terms Mm -hmm. of like movies television all that I've always, I come from, I think, a fun family. I, you know, as far back as I can remember, anytime there was a, a family reunion or a party or a holiday or something, I always remember the laughter. I remember how fun we all were together. And so that, that really um, kind of started to mold my brain in terms of comedy. And then in terms of movies, I mean, uh, Clue is one of my favorite movies yes, of all time. Yes, yeah, we've talked about it so many times. I, I, I just, it's such a good one. I, I can't get enough of that movie. It's just yeah. brilliant from start Tim to Curry's finish. Amazing. Yep. Oh. Everybody in it is brilliant. And you know, if you if you've never seen the original Clue, stop remaking stuff, Hollywood. Yeah. If yeah, anybody rude. from Hollywood is listening, uh, please. The the original '85 Clue, uh, it's amazing. And um, Rocky Horror Picture Show, that's yes. that movie is as old as I am. We were both born in '75, so I and I grew up watching that movie every chance I got. I think I wore out the VHS tape I had. Yeah. Uh, it's it you know, and anything comedy like old comedy shows. I just and anything that I could I could watch that just tickled that part of my brain that was and not lowbrow either. Like it was very like highbrow nuance, like dry wits or like anything like that, I think got me like, oh, this is, you know, and I saw how it made me feel. I saw it made other people feel. And I was like, I want to do that. You know, I want to exist in that space where you can, you can do that, have that effect on people. And I, I never take what I do for granted at all. You know, Mm -hmm. right now I, I make a hundred percent of my income from comedy right now. I'm, you know, teaching classes, doing workshops, trainings, you know, groups that I'm coaching. And I realize like, it's, it's a blessing to be able to, to have that, that talent to transport people, you know, for 20 minutes or 30 minutes. And, and so any, anything. So, yeah, I think those, those old school comedies, like three stooges, I used to watch all the time too, of like, it's very innocent, like knuckleheady kind of stuff. So yeah, all of that really contributed to getting me to where I am now. And then Really, and, and long story long. Um, and then I, I moved to LA for a few years back in the early aughts, and a friend of mine was doing improv and like scripted stuff out there. I went to saw a couple of her shows, and I was like, oh, this is really cool. I really yeah. like this. And so when I moved back to Philly in 2006, 2007, I bought myself as a present, a birthday present to myself, I bought myself a level 101 class. Nice. And then the first night I was like, done, this is, I found it, this is it. And I never looked back. I see so much of what you're saying, like in your, cause I've seen you perform many a times in addition to loving your teaching. And I see your characters 
like unapologetically having a good time. And that brings me so much life. And I just appreciate it because you've brought that into I'm, – I'm not the only one in that audience that was like super appreciative of that. I know you sent people back out there. You're a hero, Ralph. No. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, you, I mean the thing is it's like we're a bunch of little baby balls all stuck together and some of us are literally helping each other out. And, and I really do think that uh, you know people are walking away being like, oh – that character had a blast. And I, I hate to say this. A lot of times who were going to those shows, they're not going to remember Ralph. They're going to remember that character. And they're going to remember that character had fun. And they're going to learn things about that character that they can still do in their own self and be like, I'm going to be a character. I'm going to be a version of all these characters I get to watch, right? I mean, that's where we learn a lot about how to behave is from our television and our shows anyways. So thank you for putting those characters out there because there are people that are unique. They have, they have you know, they, ha- they are driven by their own morals, their own goals. I think you tend to play characters. Like, I, I don't know. I, I think I, I have seen you play characters who are definitely a little bit like morally questionable. And I see you having fun with those ones too. But I love when you play someone who's not really rocking the boat or ruining anything. You're like, that person's just wacky. I'm glad they're at the party. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I appreciate it because I think, I don't know. I, this lends itself to another question I do have. Please. Yeah, no. Uh, I, I think there's just, just an authenticity to the emotions you portray. So I am curious, are there certain emotions you find yourself portraying more in your improv? And are there certain emotions that you particularly like to emote on stage? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think when I first started out, as we all do, uh, I was trying out all the emotions. So, you know, uh, forcing a lot of like, I'm going to be really sad or really angry or really, you know. Uh, that I've kind of settled into, you know, being more of an old head at, at improv. I've been doing this for so long. Like I just follow wherever the, the story takes me, wherever the scene takes me. So if, if I feel like it's the, the, it's a, you know, it's the authentic choice to be angry or be sad or laugh or chuckle at something like I, I kind of want to follow where it takes me. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think that's where, and this is my philosophy about improv too, is yes, it's improv comedy. Comedy's there in the name. It mm-hmm, should mm-hmm. be funny, of course. That's what we're trying to but do. But that's, yeah. the funny happens on its own. Yes. Uh, I, I've said this before, and I, I hope I put it in a, in a succinct way, but Honest, I teach people to be honest in my classes. I teach people to listen. I teach people to be aware, take in everything around them and respond honestly to what's happening. That stuff needs our help as actors and as performers. Funny doesn't need our help. Funny is going to show up when she wants, you know, so if you make it, it's like, oh my God, I'm dating myself. But if anybody's played that game Viva Pinata before where you're like, you played it's this really fun it's this really fun game it was on the xbox i played it where you're this pinata breeder and all the you're on this island and you have to make the conditions right in your garden and then these pinatas will show up yes and they'll, you build them a house and then they'll mate and then they'll have little pinata babies and then you send them off to parties <laughs> and stuff and that's how i kind of think about improv is to like, go get destroyed it's, <laughs> yeah it, I'm not saying it was like a morally great. <laughs> no, game. it's fine. It's fun to watch. No, you were saying uh, it's fun to play, but that's what I. That's sometimes how I can think about improv. Is like if I make my garden, if I you know have the right conditions, funny's going to show up and yeah. you know hang out. So, yes, the and I've gotten into discussions with this with students sometimes of like, but it, we should be funny. That should be the point. And I'm like. Yes, but funny happens if we make the conditions right for funny to happen. And what I teach people is to make the conditions right, you know. Yeah. I, I totally forget what your question was. No, 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 no. Just if there was emotions that – I know I'm so glad we got here because it was just quick. Uh, essentially, you answered it, and then we got okay. – once again, you followed your foot. We're here. And okay. I, I found us doing exactly <laughs> what you're expressing, which is you followed the interesting. Uh, right. Like, you know, I forget – you usually really good about who said what. Uh, don't chase the funny, you'll never catch it. 
Who said that? Oh, Susan Messing. Right. Um, I might have paraphrased it, but it is a thing that I've tried to live by and it's applied to um, my previous podcast. It's one that I apply here and I apply it to my life. Like, I, like I'm not trying to chase that anymore and I'm finding so much more joy in my life. I also really appreciate uh, Jim uh, impacted me when he was like talking about ping pong as kind of a metaphor, which brings me to like the other one. It's like, if you're not having fun, you're the asshole. Granted, I want to be very clear. The, the ping pong thing that he brought into my life was like, you know, sometimes you're just going to want to play with someone, checking to see if they don't want to play. Very important. If they don't want to play, they don't want to play. But if they've kind of agreed to play and they're like on their phone, that's not a fun person to play ping pong with. Like, <laughs> I want to I wanna play with someone who's engaged to play and I show up to play. And if I wasn't showing up to play, you know, I was here uh, when I first got here. I was very anxious. I was having a hard day. So many things going on in my world. Um, and thank you so much for uh, calming me with your uh, excellent uh, uh, mindfulness exercise because I feel so much better for it. And then I decided to be here to play. And I am having such a good time. I, I always thank people for being intentional and present with me. And I even sometimes will point it out. Just because they can go, oh, I was, you're right. Let me hold on to this moment. And granted, I'm not trying to tell people how to go on and live their journeys. But when I see that they were like proud of themselves, I'm like, yeah, keep doing that. You're going to love it. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you have a favorite mantra of yours that you're currently using or have had for quite some time? This is just more so as a person, not so much as an improviser. Just as a person? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you are a person I, when you do both. You're still a person when you do improv. I'm still a person. Thank you for reminding me. Yes. Um. It's something that got me through the first part of this year. I had a rough first part of this year, but I'm here. Uh, and something that got me through that was the saying, and I, it's my interpretation of it, and I'm probably mangling it, but um, I've survived 100% of the things I've been through so far. Keep going. Ooh. That's it. You know, I've, I've survived 100% of everything I've been through. I'm still here. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And that yeah. that helps a lot too to remind myself. And it's something, it's something that I would remind uh clients when I was seeing one-on-one -on -one clients that, you know, remind yourself of the good stuff that you've done. Yeah. You know, put a put a post-it note on your on your laptop if you have to. You know, you've done some amazing things in your life. And a lot of times we're trained to not do that. We're trained yeah. to look at the things that need work. We're trained to look at the things we need to improve, the stuff we did wrong. You got this answer incorrect. We're, and it's it feels weird to say, no, but look at all the stuff I did right. You know, so hmm. for me, hmm. I it's nice to remind yourself and remind other people, hey, you've survived a lot. You're still here. You're still kicking. Look at all this great stuff you've done. Keep going because, yeah. you know, somebody out there needs to hear your voice. Yes, they do. I mean... I'll take that into when I drop out of college the first time. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> or excuse me, the second time, because I've already done it once. And also, I've been uh, trying to get into this idea of like deleting all of my emails that I uh, that I've like stuff that I'm keeping my inbox low for my college email. I'm actually going to make a separate inbox where I take the ones I completed and put them in there so I can recognize how many times I've literally been and I've done that email. Look at me. I've answered all of these emails. Success. I, these are the things that I have to deal with. That's nothing in comparison to the stuff I've done. I can take on these 12 emails. So folks, try that and see if it works for you. All right. I got a couple other for you, and then we're going to get out of here. Um, okay. All right. So, and I hope these questions are good. I really, I'm feeling good yeah. about them. I like them. This I pulled some of them out of my butt. Okay. So... We've kind of touched on some of this. I really love how much of this we kind of just answered on our own. Uh, I think people have learned about your improvising style. I think we've learned about some things that inspire you. Now, one thing I am curious about is what is driving you to continue teaching and coaching? Because you could hypothetically do this forever, um, but you don't have to. I could. Uh, this is my football. Okay. I love teaching improv. I love people's reactions when they learn something new. I love seeing people's faces light up when they understand something for the first time. I love, I just love the energy in the room when people are learning to love themselves and respect themselves and, and communicate on a, a, a level with themselves and each other. It's just, and I get excited. Like I jump up and down when there's a great scene or somebody makes a good move and it's like, yes. you know, you've seen me in a classroom. Yeah. It's like, it's like other people watch football or baseball. I teach, I teach improv. It's like, it's, it's so much fun to do. And there's so much, 
I it's shaped so much of who I am and it's gotten me through some really rough patches that I just love sharing it with people and people that are that want to be there and want to learn and grow. I'm like, heck yeah, let's do this. Like, let's have some fun together. So that's why that's what keeps me doing it is just it's it, it's something I love and it's something that has gotten me through rough patches and made me who I am. And I'm like, if I can share that with people, amazing. Well, not only are you giving space for that, you're also inspiring people like myself. And I think you're a big contributor to why I want to be a coach, why I want to be a, an improv instructor. Yeah. Um, why, it. and, it's, and it's honestly, it's only the comfort of knowing that has only come with like the intention into to stop apologizing for the things I'm saying, for the things I'm curious, for the, maybe I'll have some exercises, they flopped, but maybe I came up with some pretty wacky stuff that made people get some giggles in their life. And if literally at the end of my day, I got at least a couple belly laughs and a couple souls before they left the class, I'll take it. Um, you know, you can give me some constructive feedback and maybe I won't get asked back to coach again, but that's just a tool for me to come back and try and reapply again. Uh, or maybe just go to a different theater and see if they'll deal with my, my un, uh, perfectly trained self. Um, yeah. And actually, to point out what you're uh, saying, I did uh, do one thing of research, which is according to, and I'll even do that, HTTPS colon slash slash www.headtohealth.gov. Uh, research shows that people with hobbies are less likely to suffer from stress, low mood, and depression. Activities that get you out and about can make you feel happier and more relaxed. Uh, group activities like team sports can improve your communication skills and relationships with others. And that's, it's your sport. It's there. That's what they're telling you. That's what they're telling us. And you're doing it. So thank you for doing it. And, um, and laughter has a ton of health benefits to it. It burns calories. It releases all these great uh, uh, hormones in your brain. It levels out your emotions. It connects you to other people. Laughter is very much a communal thing. Uh, so there's a ton of benefits to doing things that make you happy and laugh and giggle. So everybody, please do more of that. Heck yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, you'd be given it the whole time, but I will ask you before we kind of close things out here, is there like, you can answer either one that you want. I'll give you two questions. Okay. Is there, you can, okay, I know, I love it. This is a double question option. And you can, <laughs> you can answer both too, because I have whatever rules. So option number one is, you know, if you could give uh, like a, a final end uh, advice for the people who are thinking about taking on some creative endeavors uh, and trying to follow their foot, uh, what that advice would be, but also... Instead of telling that person, if you can go back in time and tell Ralph before he followed his foot mm. some advice, what would you tell that person? Now, you can answer both or you can answer the one that's more interesting to you. I, I think I can answer both at the same time. Awesome. Uh, I would tell myself and anybody else to fuck what anybody else says and just do it. Hell yeah. Because we... At the end of the day, more often than not, we are our own worst enemy. We are our own highest uh, uh, hill to climb and our own highest hurdle to jump over. Remove that barrier. You know, a lot of times it's what we were talking about in the beginning of, of this episode of, you know, you're your own worst enemy sometimes. You're, you're trying to make other people comfortable. You're assuming what other people think about you or you're assuming what other people are going to think about you. And it's not... It doesn't do you any good. It serves no purpose other than to sap your energy and make you miserable and keep you stuck in place. So mm -hmm. if there's something you feel like you really would be good at and you want to try or you just want to try it because you think it's going to be fun, just do it. I don't mm -hmm. give a shit what other people think because other people are dumb. <laughs> You're smart. And it, you know. So, you know, and if somebody does have a problem with it, that's their problem. That's their baggage that they're bringing. That's not you. So, you know, take a take the knitting class, take the cooking class, go skydiving, whatever, whatever it is you want to do, do it. And, you know, if it doesn't work, hey, at least you had the experience and now, you know, oh, I do not like that at all. Mm. At least that now I can say that with 100 percent certainty, you know. Well, well, I'll tell you right now, uh, you've encouraged me to start farming pinatas. Uh, and if it doesn't work out, I'm totally Please, blaming you. Oh, my God. Everybody <laughs> play that game. It, just, it sounds terrible, but it's so much fun. It's wonderful. All right. Well, um, 
Speaking of wonderful, you're wonderful. Um, are there any uh, creative endeavors, uh, either in the present or in the future, uh, that you would like to uh, share with those listening? Yes, please. Um, number one, please listen to my podcast. It's called "Hey, Let Me Ask You Something." Uh, you'll notice you'll, you'll know it because the logo is it's a yellow logo with a big brain on it with headphones, and there's a big signal coming out of the top. So you'll know it when you see it. It's me and Kristen. Uh, our goal is to inspire more people to have ask more questions and have more interesting conversations. So it's all about what we've been talking about today, you know, the human condition, why people do what they do, you know. So give that a listen. It's on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, uh, support local art and artists. I think not enough uh, emphasis is put on art being a valid endeavor or a life choice for anybody or thing they want to do to make money art is very devalued mm -hmm. especially in america you know oh it's not a real job get a real job you know right. what art is right. a real job and you would you know the world would not be where it is without art and artists so support the arts whatever every chance you get so that's that's what i'm doing i'm sure i'm forgetting 50 things but those are the two things that popped into my head no, that's great. And if there are 50 more things you want to tell me, I'll put them in the show notes. Um, <laughs> so, no, I'm, I'm completely with that. With that in mind, folks, I am going to college and I'm definitely going to I'm definitely going to set up a Patreon for this as well. as also a, a buy me a coffee as well as you should go over and listen to Ralph's and then buy Ralph a coffee. Uh, if, yes, if you don't have a buy me a coffee, literally hunt Ralph down and be like, here's your coffee that you ordered. <laughs> uh, don't hunt me down because I... <laughs> <laughs> that's how I paid my way through college. I don't want to do that again. Yeah. No, that's real. No, that's real. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, I hear you because when I've told people that this is what I want to do during college, uh, they're like, I get a, you know, there is that kind of look of like, eh, it seems to be a dumb idea. But like, why not? You know, why, why, why not dream for being able to do this? You know, people are allowed to do their creative endeavors full time. The fact that we just separate ourselves from it and go, sure, Tina Fey can do it, but I can't is so weird to me. So follow that foot is just my general advice. What a surprise. That's what yeah. we're trying to do here. You, know, you get to define whatever work is for you. However yes. you make your money, make your money. Um, and I, with the caveat that I know sometimes a lot of what we talk about can could be a little elitist in terms of like making money on comedy or whatever. People yes. got to get jobs and make money wherever they can. And I, yes, yes, I yes, always yes. want to acknowledge that. But there's always room in your life to do things that you love and enjoy uh, so find that joy wherever you can um, and, you know, spread it. I'll even say uh, try to find ways to make joy more accessible to those that we're talking about here. Um, yes. You know, I have flat out sent out being like, hey, I'm a broke queer. I'm not doing well. But you know what I need in my heart? An improv class. And then many theaters I've gone to have said, yeah, come on, get your weird ass in here. Let's teach you a couple things. And I am so grateful for that. So thank you, huge theater. I will only thank just you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So. We are going to be back. Uh, who knows? Uh, I'm going to try to do these uh, kind of slid in there with the Rotten Treasure episodes. If you folks uh, have enjoyed yourself here and haven't listened to an episode of Rotten Treasure, why not go back to Tremors 2 Aftershocks, where we talked to Ralph about sandworms? Why don't go back to, oh, geez, was it, oh, I, I watched 10 uh, Nightmare on Elm Street films. It Ralph was the, Which uh, one did Freddy's I make you watch? Day. It was The Final oh. Nightmare. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Go listen to uh, Ralph and Kristen talk about that. Just go out there and support uh, support other people and also support me double time. Go over and support Rotten Treasure too. Uh, and the most important thing, support yourself and keep on stepping. Oh, I love that. Thanks, Ralph. I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to show the show a little love, you can do so by rating and reviewing on your preferred podcast app. And follow the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, maybe one day TikTok. And uh, if you didn't like the show, that's cool. Uh, you don't have to listen. So, uh, step off. Ooh, that's gonna give me a bad rating. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs>